You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, listeners of the Earth Station One podcast. Welcome to another episode. This time out, we are going a little mysterious and going a little bit out there when we are going to be talking about UFOs. Are they out there or are we alone? We got a great crew to talk all about that. You know, from, you know, the theories behind it, is it even possible for visitors from another planet to come and, you know, basically, you know, can they send their children here to become heroes and, you know, practice to truth, justice, and the American way? Look, up in the sky. Oh, sorry. Wrong thing. We're not talking about him. But the man who does outrun speeding locomotives, the man who is able to dodge bullets and to t- leap over tall skyscrapers in one single bound. Who am I talking about? Why, Mr. Mike Gordon, of course. Howdy. You were wondering where I was going with that, weren't you? You had that look on your face. I, uh, I, I, yeah, yeah. I just, um, you know, I, I want to believe. Oh, I, definitely. And it was awesome when you thought about it, you know, with the X-Files and such. You know, that we, I, when I started watching that show, I thought it was all going to be about, you know, do, are UFOs real and stuff. And then they started getting into smoking men and bees and all those weird government conspiracies. And it just went whoosh. Still loved it. But yeah, it was actually pretty cool. I think for me, the most was Leonard Nimoy's In Search of, which was, you know, pretty darn awesome. And even Carl Sagan's Cosmos was a good, you know, reference material. Sure, sure. Well, you know, back then we were we were all interested in that sort of phenomenon, and uh, uh, you know, it's 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 still it's still out there. Uh, all that stuff is still talked about to this day. So, um, and with the government recently releasing a little documentation on on uh, what they are now classifying as uh, UFPs, right? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it seemed like a good time to do it. So. Exactly. I thought it was it was appropriate and we had an empty episode and we hadn't done a science episode for a bit. And this is kind of cool. So Dr. Scott and Chip will be joining us. <laughs> that almost sounds like a science program right there. <laughs> the Dr. Scott and Chip program. So we definitely would love to hear from you guys here. At, of course, the email address is feedback at earthstation1.com. Definitely would love to hear from you guys. What's been going on? Are you guys doing okay? How's summer? You know, we definitely would love to you know, hear about you guys, please just say howdy, as we like to say. Also, you know, we always tell people subscribe if you get a chance, five stars on Apple or wherever you listen to this wonderful podcast. Please rate us and, you know, tell your friends, neighbors, it's more important than ever to get the name Earth Station One out there. Of course, we also want to give a big shout out to our patrons. Thank you, everybody, who has been supporting the ESO Network Patreon. And Earth Station One is a proud member of the ESO Network. Hell, we're the founding member of the ESO Network. And our Patreon is our way of saying thank you to you guys for all the support you guys have been giving us for years. So please check us out. Please, you know, help support us for as little as a dollar a month. You can help support Earth Station One. And the ESO Network. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. 
Also wanted to say thank you to our sponsor of this week, who, of course, Tofosi Optical. Tofosi Optical gives you amazing glasses, sunglasses, safety glasses, sports glasses, and, of course, those wonderful blue light blocking glasses for gamers and for people who are sitting in front of the computer all day, which most of us are doing nowadays. This helps you from getting eye strain. This helps you from being able to, you know, not you know get headaches from staring at the computer too long. And it gives you extra time to play more games, as my son would say, Dad, to me. So it's pretty cool. So definitely check it out. Tofosi Optical is sponsor of Earth Station One. And as a thank you, we have a 10% off coupon. All you have to do is put in Earth Station One, real original there, folks, into the coupon code. You get 10% off your whole order. Not just one pair of glasses, your whole order. Check it out. It saves you some money at tofosioptics.com. And now we're here with new friend of the show, Mark Morales. Welcome, Mark. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. It's great to have you with us. Welcome to the station. Um, for those people who may not be familiar with you and your work, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do. What do I do? I'm making a movie in January. It's going to be my first film that I'm writing and directing. Exciting. Uh, and our company's first film, uh, High Five and Ants Productions. Woo! And you can check us out at highfiveandantsproductions.com. Um, we're a brand new company. We're out of Texas. And yeah, like I said, it's our first movie. Um, I have a big theater background. I'm from New York. Uh, I'm a published, you know, I've published plays and stuff like that, but as far as screenplays, this is the first one, and we're making a horror movie with some wow. old-fashioned practical effects. We're trying to stay away from the um, from the green screen stuff. Not mm. that it's bad. There's nothing wrong with it. But, you know, I'm like, well, here's my chance to make a movie. What kind of movie do I want to make? What kind of horror film do I want to make? What did I like growing up? This is what I liked. I'm like, you know, there's nothing wrong with it, so let's just find that person who can make these effects. And I got a great guy named Sergio Guerrera who understands, you know, 1980s horror films like The Thing and, and An American World from London. And he's like, you know what? He's like, we can do that. <laughs> so I'm like, really? He's like, we can do stuff like this. He's like, I can do this. So that's what we're going for. Exciting. And even though, even though the technology's advanced, it's probably not as, not as easy to do a lot of those things as, uh, as it ever was, right? No, exactly. I, because I, you know, I'm dumb. I don't, I don't, I don't know effects. I, I know what I like. I, you know, I write, so I, I write a lot of things out, and then people looking, going, "Oh my god, this is almost impossible." But when it came to this, I was like, right, "These are what I want, so we can do this." And he's like, "Yeah." And we were supposed to film um, on location at the Clown Motel in Tonopah, Nevada. But when he, you know, he read through the script and he sat me down, and he's like, "You know, you have to understand practical effects." He's like, it's really, he's like, they're just illusions. He's like, they're magic tricks. You know, they have to be shot on certain angles. He's like, we need, you know, certain types of, you know, we, we need room and stuff like that. And he's like, in a lot of these rooms at the motel, he's like, it's not going to work. He's like, we won't be able to pull off what you want to pull off. So, you know, we had a discussion with the motel owner and, you know, he gave us his blessing and he's like, yeah, you can shoot my exterior. And then we're just doing it in San Antonio on a soundstage, rebuilding it from the inside wow just wow. so we could that's have impressive. room to pull off the the effects that we want to pull off right right and as you mentioned you're inspired by movies of the uh 80s um what is it about that time period what is it about those movies that um just sort of stuck with you 
Because that's what I, I grew up on it first of all. And um, I, it, for me, it was just accessible. I don't know. what There, there were just so many of them. And I, I guess, you know, because we had video, you know, so we had HBO. Then we had all these video um, coming out from different video companies. And, you know, you had great horror films. And then you had some that cost like 10 bucks to make. And then, but you still rented them for the same price, but you know, there was something good in them. You know, you had big budgets and then you had stuff like Ghoulies, you know, and Ghoulies too, which I watched the, I've been watching Ghoulies too for probably the past two weeks over and over again. I Whoa. don't know why I watched it again. <laughs> My girlfriend's like, again, I'm like, yeah, again, I don't know. I, I, you know what it is? I don't know if you've seen Ghoulies too lately or anything, but mm. it, it's Sir Nigel, the little guy. The little person, he just, he cracks me up. He's such such a good actor and he's just so into what he's doing. And I'm like, oh my God, he's selling it. He should win an Academy Award. And it's, he's just wonderful. And he's all, I forget his name. That sucks. But he's also in um, the movie oh, Under the Rainbow. I know if you ever saw that with Chevy Chase. Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> and, and he's, oh yeah. Chevy Chase and Carrie and all Fisher. The little people. Awesome. But there's oh, a, yeah. there, in the chase sequence in the movie, he, it's him. I'm almost positive it's him that he's sitting on the top of these steps. I mean, it is, I don't know how many stairs there are, but it's a long way down. And he's like drunk at the top. The, the same guy, Sir Nigel from um, Ghoulies 2, the actor. And he gets knocked down these stairs and he's drunk. And, he, and I mean, he, it's a long, and he goes and he hits the bottom and he gets him. You think he's going to be hurt. And he gets up and he's like, huh, forgot my beer. <laughs> and he just walks all the way back up. So yeah, I'm, I'm, this actor just sells me. I forgot his name, but he's wonderful. So, yeah. But he then, plays Sir Nigel in Ghoulies too. There you and go. there does seem to be a, a, a nice tradition of low-budget horror movies um, certainly making an impact, whether it's from George Romero, Roger Corman, right. um, uh, Sam Raimi, right? Uh, the, Bla- Absolutely. The, the Blair Witch Project. Like, it, doesn't, it seems like it doesn't take a lot to make a, a huge impact when it comes to horror. That's why a lot of people do it. You know, some people think it's a quick payoff, but I, mean, I just think it, it's got to be good. It just, it, just, it just has to be good. You know, <laughs> you just can't put out a piece of crap and expect, you know, I mean, I don't know. For me, you know, I think we're very blessed. You know, someone came along and liked the script and said, you know, how much do you need? And that never happens. So we were like, oh, my God. So it's like, okay, you know, this is our opportunity. Let's not blow it. Let's just, we're going to do it. Let's do it the way we want to do it. And let's stay close to, you know, what the vision is. And and that, that's the way it has to be. And, you know, the way I see, you know, let's not, let's not screw this up. Let's not go, okay, you know, there's always next time. To me, there's, no, there's, there's no next time, though. This is it. This can be the last time we're going to do it. So let's do it right. It's kind of like going on a first date with someone. You want to do it right. It's like, I really like that, you know, this is it. This could be a great time. You know, it's that first impression. You want to take them out. Show them a great time, and you want to get that call the next day going, you want to go out again? Yes, I do. That's the way I kind of look at this. And I tend to battle a lot, and I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. That's, you know, we, we encourage that, actually. Uh, we, are, we are an audio podcast. <laughs> so, awesome. All right, that's so great. All right, cool. Babble is good. Um, uh, now, you mentioned that uh, prior to this, um, you know, this is your first feature, but prior to this, you were basically working in the theater, working on right. Uh, plays, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, why did you feel like this was the time to make this jump? Is it something that you always wanted to do? Yeah, film was always the thing, but being in New York, I don't know, just theater, theater was always accessible. If that, that, that became the thing. So I enjoyed singing a lot, and I became a singing waiter at one point, and I just had access to all these other singing waiters, 
who were wonderful and we weren't really doing anything. So I started writing a little bit and then I ended up, you know, we, we gathered all these, you know, singing waiters together. Huh. And next thing I know, you know, we have, you know, we're, we're doing little skits down on East Fourth Street at the, um, at the Red Room Theater. And then next thing I know, you know, those Era Ziv who runs that, you know, horse trade theater group and those theaters down there, you know, he was like, you know, you guys are kind of cool, you know, <laughs> you guys want to be basically, you know, you want to work under our umbrella. So we'll work in trade. So your company will take you under our wing and, you know, we'll give you free space. And in return, you know, you help us build sets. And, you know, when you have shows, we split the door and stuff like that. So, you know, it was just all of a sudden, it was just handed to us. It was like, oh my God, we have three theaters to work from. And, and there I was, I'm like, okay. But I guess when I was writing, I always just wrote for film. I just didn't know that. But, you know, when I, when I was writing, I, I always saw film. And when I directed people on stage, it was kind of like I was watching them through a television or on screen rather than it was a stage. So it was like, oh, it's got to be this way. It's got to be blocked this way. And it's got to, you got to move it this time. And, you know, for some actor on stage, it's like, oh, this is kind of like being in a movie. <laughs> you know, it's kind of different. I'm like, ah, okay. So <laughs> then I left New York and I had, you know, I never wrote a screenplay. I had some downtime. I'm like, let me just try. Let's, let's see if I can do this. And it was about four years ago when I did, I just sat down, I found the formats, I wrote them out, I wrote it over and over again. And, and here we are. Last year, someone came along and was like, you have a screenplay? We showed it to them and they were like, okay, let's do it. And like I said, it, it was like, we just fell into it. It was really just like that. Someone's like, you have a screenplay? And here you go. I gave it to them and they liked it. And then I did a reading of it. And next thing you know, they're just offering us money to wow. put this on. Yeah. And if I would have known better, because they were like, what do you need? Because they didn't know, they, they didn't know either. You make they, it sound they, so they, easy, Mark. They, 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 I, <laughs> luck. It was luck. It was luck. You know, we're very fortunate to have um, a great executive producer named Bill Pohl. He um, does real estate out here in Texas. And I think he's a crazy old man. And my girlfriend worked for his real estate company. And she really did. She came home one day. And she was like, Bill wants to know you ever wrote a screenplay. And because, uh, you know, he knew I wrote plays, but he didn't know I wrote. And that's how it started. Just there. And I thought he was insane. And I did. I got a reading up for him. He was like, what do you, how much you need? And I'm like, I don't know. And I think I asked for way too little. I really did. <laughs> I think I asked for way too little. If they said yes right away. Right. And you asked for too little. I, I asked way <laughs> too little. I had to go back and ask for more, actually. Like, oh, I see. About I three see. months ago, I was stressing out. And he looked, this is funny, because we did a podcast together. And after I'm talking to him, and I'm like, you know, and he was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm like, I think I, you know, I lowballed you. And he was like, okay, well, what do you need? This is the dog. I'm so sorry. This is Bacchus. Um, and you know, I said, I think I need X amount more. And he was like, yeah, he's like, I knew you were going to come back and ask for more. I'm like, well, he's like, he's like, I'm like, why don't you say something? He was like, ah, he's like, you know, you're growing, you're growing, you're learning. I'm like, okay. So, so where are you said you start filming in January? Where is the production now? Are you, you've got your crew, you have, you got your cast all set and everything's, yeah, you know, we ready. were supposed to go last year. We were gotcha. supposed to go shoot the entire thing in Tonopah at the Clown Motel last year with a different crew. And yeah, everyone was different. The makeup person was different. And, and like I was, like I said, never did this before. And, you know, COVID comes along, we get sidetracked. We're not going anywhere. 
I never thought we would, you know, be doing this again. So I kind of sat down and I just rewrote the script a little. And then when, after I rewrote it, I noticed that I had knocked off some characters and I'm like, Ooh, well, what the hell? And I'm like, it kind of flows better. So then we had the opportunity, you know, it started, people start to talk again, you know, we're going to, I think we're going to do this. So I'm like, well, if we're going to do this, then I need to go in with a crew that kind of knows a little bit more than what the other crew knew. Mm-hmm. And because I need to feel comfortable and, you know, and confident because without that, if I, if they're not comfortable and confident, I'm not gonna be comfortable and confident because I need to rely on them. So I had done between after we got grounded for COVID, I wrote something called it's crazy out there. I wrote three episodes and that was going to be some sort of web series. And we actually shot three episodes of it. And I, that's the crew that we're actually taking on to do this movie. So it's nice. the crew I met on. It's crazy out there. You know, I worked with them over and over again and they're wonderful. That DP is amazing. Chris. And then Sergio, the um, special effects, I came on there and then, you know, we started talking to each other about this film and, and, you know, you know, they had some great ideas. I'm like, that's it. You guys are it. Let's go do this. Nice. We are. And, uh, and now once the film is, is completed, uh, which will be hopefully next year, do you yep. already have a distribution plan or is that still just up in the air? Is I have. You're worried my, about finishing it now. No, my big thing is I'm just like, wow, it just it goes to Amazon, right? And people are yelling at me. They're like, it just doesn't go to Amazon. You know, don't <laughs> think that way. Just, you know, and I'm like, but it's, I think it's kind of simple with Amazon. I'm like, I, you know, I understand it. They're like, you know, don't sell, don't just think that, you know. That'll be on the list as well. But so I'm like, okay, you know, as long as other people are going to step in and say, you know, this, this way it should be marketed and this and that, you know, I'm, I'm happy that other people are taking an interest like that because when it comes down to it, I don't know anything about that stuff. That's why I'm like, just send it to Amazon. I went, I Googled Amazon once and found out how to do it. And that was it. I was sold, you know, but there are other ways sure. to do things. Amazon just makes it very easy and very simple. And I'm like, oh my God, it's this is all I have awesome. to do. Yay. <laughs> in a Wonderful. lot of ways it's a lot easier than it used to be some things are anyway. mm-hmm. um but uh well very cool we're very excited for you um as far as this project goes but we want to find out where uh your real passions lie so mike i think he's ready for the geek seat treatment oh okay oh no i don't think he is well that's no. true nobody ever is really no, he isn't, but you know, he can look go onto Amazon and look up the answers or something. Oh, okay, yeah. Make it nice and easy for him. What is it? Right, what Mark. is it? Okay. You ready for your first question? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Mark, what was your favorite geek out moment? My favorite geek out moment for me? Um, Kelly Maroney from Night of the Comet and Chopping Mall. I was speaking you do you know you know Steve? Steve um set this all up. Steve Joyner. Yeah, of course. When I first uh, met Steve, he, Steve has this, I don't know how well you know Steve, but Steve's got this, Steve loves, you know, calling people and doing conference calls with people that, oh, you, does yeah, that you like. Does he and, ever? You know, I was just talking to him once, when I first started talking to him, and Kelly Maroney, because I was like, oh, I love Chopping Mall. And he was like, oh, Kelly Maroney, huh? He's like, hold on a second. And next thing you know, there's a conference call. No, it didn't work. She wasn't there. He's like, you know, I was going to put you on the phone with Kelly Marone. I'm like, well, why are you going to do stuff like that? Don't do that. You know, don't. You have no idea. I'm going to geek. You know, I'll, I'll freak out. I'll, you know, he's like, don't worry about it. He's, he's, then he said, I'm going to call you back. He's like, but just prepare. Because when I call you back, Kelly Maroney will be on the other, other end of the phone. And sure enough, man, that phone rang like a half hour later. 
I'm sitting watching a movie with my girlfriend and it says Steve Joyner on, <laughs> on the phone. And she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, when I answer this phone, it's going to be Kelly Maroney. And she's like, all right, breathe. <laughs> yeah. So that's my geek out moment. Kelly Maroney. Oh, that is awesome, yeah. dude. <laughs> so stupid. And was she all you expected her to be? I think I insulted her. What did I say? Oh, I was, yeah. Because in my, we started talking. I was like, oh my God. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like I just, I, I just have to, you know, gush for a minute. She was, she was very cool. And then I said, you know, Chopping Mall is one of my favorite movies. I said, you know, if I'm ever going to remake something, there'll be Chopping Mall. And I guess that's like a taboo. You don't tell someone who was in something back in the day that you want to remake their movie. Because she was like, yeah, we don't like, like reboots or remakes, you know. And I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. Got it. Whoops. Oops, sorry. Whoops. Maroney. So that might actually lead into our next question okay. then. <laughs> Perfectly, actually. What was your most disappointing geek out moment? Ooh, God. Who was like, Bleh. oh, here we go. Uh, <laughs> this was really funny. Um, I was a singer back when I was a singing waiter, early 20s, New York City. Um, Cobra Kai, the um, sensei, John Kreese. Yeah. Yes, back then, before Cobra Kai came out. So it was just the Karate Kid back then. And I'm in my early 20s and it's like 1990-something, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, 1990-something. And sure enough, he's there with his family, I guess. And they're on their way. They're walking out of the restaurant. And I see him, and I'm big, huge karate kid geek. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's John Cleese. It's good. It's, it's and, and the other was like, who? And I'm like, oh, my God, you guys don't know? And sure enough, I jumped right in front of him, right in front of him. And I was like, Cobra Kai, never die, sensei. And he uh -oh. looked at me in my face and went, Shh, and walked right past me. <laughs> yep. Oh, dude. Like, he was disappointed. Like, there's an episode of Malcolm in the Middle where Malcolm goes to high school for the first time. And he's walking into high school. And I don't know if you ever watched Sons of Anarchy, but Juice is in the episode. The guy who played Juice, he's in the episode of Malcolm in the Middle. And he's right. like an extra. And Malcolm asks him, hey, do you know where room so-and-so is? And he looks at Malcolm with the same look of disappointment that John Kreese <laughs> or whatever his name is. Um, oh, oh, God, whatever his real name is. Looked at me and he's just like, like, you're sad. And that was, yeah. So, so this, that, that's how I feel. If I ever met him again, I would say, you know, you, I still feel like from, you know, that day. And I was like, Cobra oh, Kai, never die. Who else? Oh, oh, somebody else did it to me too. Back in California, um, I was managing a restaurant, and it was Eric Lasalle. Yeah. Yes, E R, e -R. and of course, yeah. Soul Glow. He was in. Of course. And yes, he was in the restaurant, and I saw him go in the bathroom, and I'm like, oh, "Wow, let oh, oh. your soul glow." And that's all I'm thinking. And when he walked out, sure enough, I was like, <laughs> "Let your soul glow." And once again, I got that look of disappointment with that head going, like, "Wow." <laughs> Wow. That, yeah. I could kind of understand that, yeah. though, dude. Uh -huh. I could, could totally. Wow. Um, what geeks you out the most? What geeks me out the most? Um, episodes of The Office. I love The Office. That's just the whole thing. I can sit there. I can be doing something, and you can put, put The Office on. I think a really, honestly, a, a good 80s horror film. I, I will stop. Like I said, I, for the office, I will stop everything and just sit there and get suckered in. And that's another, yeah. So a good 80s horror film. Yeah. 
Like nice. I said, Ghoulies 2, I mentioned it. I'll, I'll watch it yep. again tonight. I, I'll i leave it on and work and just, and get, yeah. It's one, it's dumb, okay. it's fun. The colors are off the hook and yeah, it's silly. It's just silly. That's it's awesome. people in costumes and I'm like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. It's kind of like why, um, Willy's Wonderland with Nicolas Cage. I don't know if you saw that horror film. It's something that he just did. Mm-hmm. And it's, yes. you know, he's stuck in there with the animatronics and it's like, you know, they're people in costumes. <laughs> and it looks silly, but it works. And it's, uh, yeah. So that's it. Like, yeah. Jaws 2 also. I'll geek out for Jaws 2. Oh, wow. Suckered into that for hours. That's wonderful. What turns your geek off, though? Reality TV. Reality. That just oh. stupidity. Um, not, I'm not putting it down for the, It's just, it's, it's, first of all, there's no reality about it. You, you need to, there, there's a script. So there you go. So, you know, it's, just, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like, not everyone can act. I'm sorry. And it, it, it just doesn't work for me. It's like, you know, someone's saying, oh, I'm, a, I, I, you know, I'll do your heart surgery, but I'm not really a surgeon. It's like, oh, well, I'm not going to go to you then. I, you know, I, yeah. So there you go. Reality TV. I don't watch it. And because that turns me <laughs> on. What fictional character would you like to meet the most? Michael Scott. Michael Scott. That's what she said too. Yeah, <laughs> Scott. That's awesome. Not just one. I, I'd like to hang out with him, like for a couple of years, and just watch him grow. So I'd like to be like. So if I was going to meet him, I'd like to meet him like from day one of the office, and just hang out with him until he marries Holly, because he is. He, it's great to just watch him. It's fun to watch in, in a binge watch when there are no commercials, and just sit there and just watch his character, you know, grow and grow and grow. It's like, oh, it's wonderful. They all do. Dwight, it's not, they all, they, it's, it's amazing. It's just fun. But there you go. What fictional character would you not like to meet? Oh. <laughs> Which wouldn't like to meet? Wow, I think we might have stumped him there, Mike. Who's a real ass that I wouldn't want to meet? Like, it wasn't Eric LaSalle, was it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I would like to meet. I'd, I'd like to meet Eric LaSalle. Yeah. But who would not like to meet? <laughs> there are. There are people that I think. There, all right, let's stick on the office. Ryan, there's a kid. It's a, part of my French, but can I say it? he's a dick? He's a dick. He's just a You can dick. get away with that on I the show. Just, yeah. I'd like to. If, if I saw him, you know, and I knew who he was, right, I'd just it's, it's spit on him, hit him. He's just a dick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I know people oh, I know. just like that. So it's like, oh, oh, oh. Every every office has yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. So there it is right there. Gotcha. What is your favorite geek word, quote, or pose? That's great. Geek word. Geek, I think it's um, the quote is, I want to go to there from Dirty Rock. Yeah. Tina Fey. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. But she said oh, she heard her one. daughter say it. And then she wrote it down. I'm like, that's, that's brilliant. So I write that in stuff. Just, I want to go to there. It never really stays in the scripts, but, you know, because people are like, what is it me? I'm like, ah, it was just for me. Cool. I like that. That is really good. What's your ideal geek occupation? Oh, my God. To work in a blockbuster. Really? Yeah, I never. It doesn't wow. have to be a blockbuster. I think it'd be more of a, of a mom many and pop video store, store in my time. back in the day. Yeah, the closest I ever came was 
I guess early 90s, I dated a girl named Lisa in New Rochelle, New York, and her aunt and uncle owned a video store, <laughs> which when you look at it now, it's like, oh my God, Blockbuster's opening and you know, mom and pop stores are going to go. But yeah, they had a video store and um, I could rent whatever I wanted for free, but I couldn't work there. I, that's all I want. I, I offered my services for free, but you know, basically her aunt and the family worked there. Because she was like, you can come in whenever you want. So you can hang out. I remember, I remember a friend of mine, we were probably like 12 or 13. And, you know, we had grown up with the mom and pop video stores, you know, over the last couple of years before that. Then we went to Blockbuster for the first time. And we said, wait, where's the room with the uh, doors that we can't yeah, get into? Exactly. For 18? <laughs> yeah. What is exactly. the we had a five-star video. That's, that was our first video store that opened up. When, as kids, we would go hang out in there. We didn't have, a vi- we didn't have VCRs yet. And, but our parents are like, where are they? They're, they're at that video store. And next thing you know, you know, the parents are like, we, we got to buy the VCRs now because they keep coming mm-hmm. home. And, you know, and we would spend hours just sitting, sitting like it was a library. I remember in high school, though, we were like, when I was working at the videos, the mom and pop video stores, and the people would go into the back and we would snicker and go, you know what they're going for. You're doing in there. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of cool. Exactly. That was my first play was Galaxy Video. It was all about that is a awesome. video store. That is awesome. That is awesome. What geek occupation would you not like to do, though? I don't know. I don't. I think you stumped me on this one. What wouldn't I want to do? What geek occupation? Like, would it? It could be any occupation, and you could be a geek about anything. True that. What wouldn't I want to do? Ultimate Fighter. Really? Fighter. Don't feel like getting beat up. Every I, week? I don't, and I can respect it, and because you know a lot of work goes into it. But yeah, no, there's no no. <laughs> I, I don't need to. No, then you gotta no, get hit. I don't, and I don't play... care how much they pay. No, no, you can do other things for money. No, but you know, and I see you know you, you put all your time into it. You become amazing at it. Then you're gonna go in the ring. And it's like, no, what did you just? You got no, no. <laughs> That's yeah. There you go. No ultimate fighting. There you go. Did not want to be an ultimate fighting. There geek. you go. Okay. All right, Mark. Your final question of the geek. Here seat. You, you ready for, it? for it? What is your ultimate geek fantasy? All right. Just lately, right now, honestly, it's to be on on the set of Head of the Class from back in 1986, yeah. and ask Howard Hespman, who played. Um, Mr. or whatever he played on the show, who played the main teacher, but he also played Johnny Fever on WKRP in Cincinnati. <laughs> and ask him, why are you leaving this show? You know, what is the deal? You know, who are you angry at? There you go. Yeah. That is awesome. And because that's what I've been watching lately too. And then I do, I sit down, it's like, oh, let's find out what happened to this show. And that's why. And, you know, but, but, but Billy Connolly did a great job after it. You know, When's the last time you watched it? Because I thought so too. And then, you know, I just, I just finished binging it and Billy's on for one season. And every time Billy walks in, they give him like three minutes of stand up to do. He walks mm-hmm. in every time he walks into the classroom, he's, he says the same thing would say, good morning, geniuses. And then he does three minutes of his stand up, and he walks around. It's always the same pattern. He goes around this way, walks that way and ends up over here. And then he, you know, but he, yeah, talks to the guys and offers an assignment, yeah. but he does three minutes of his stand-up <laughs> each time he enters. I'm like, oh my God, wow. this is crazy. <laughs> and the fact that I'm sitting here and I count and I'm sitting there going, oh my God, I, I need a life. 
That's I, I need a life. January can't come fast enough. That's where I am right now. I'm making up for you. I'm yeah, it's terrible. My girlfriend's putting up with a lot right now. Yeah. Maybe she should win this award. Right. <laughs> she should definitely win the award. It's funny because she just had some, you know, some surgery. So she's been she can't be around the dogs. So she's been in, in the bedroom most of the time. So, you know, I have a lot of free time. So she's like, thank God. She's like, I'm in here with this TV because she's like, I couldn't deal with you and some of that stuff you're watching out there. Like she never even heard of head of the class. We're the same age. You never heard of head of the class. She's like, never. I'm like, we went to the same high school and we, we were friends. She's like, Mark, I did not watch, you know, I didn't know. these shows. I'm like, okay, fine. But yeah. <sighs> Shake my head right I'm now. I'm so sorry. I'm, my I'm, I'm, I'm boring you guys with head of the class. You you have not bored us at all, oh. Mark. But I got some great news for you. Yes, you've made it through the geek seat, Mark Morales. Woo! Congratulations, right. Mr. Mike Gordon. Tell the young man what he's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth eighty-two dollars and four. Right on. Thank you so much. So uh, it has been amazing to have you with us. And certainly, um, you know, once the production starts, we'd love to have you back to let us know how it's going. Also, if we ever do our head of the class episode uh, for main topic, you are there. You are our guy. There's no Um, data um, from the Goonies was on the last season of (laughs) head of the class when Billy Conley comes out. There you go. Um, where can people go online to find out what you guys are doing, what you've done, you know, check you out. All right. So you, they can go on, anyone go on, not just they, you, me, everyone, us, them. Uh, what is, um, oh, high five and ants productions.com. And like I said, we're, we're just starting out. That's our first website right there. And right now, what do we have up? It's, um, it's crazy out there that the web series we're working on. So there's a small trailer on there and we're actually just finished cutting the first episode. We're finishing the edit on it and we have to edit episode two and three. And then we're going to try to sell it to possibly whoever wants it, Amazon, Netflix, um, anyone, whoever wants to pick it up. And if they can't, then we're just going to probably stream it on our website to everyone for free. Yay. Awesome. Well, we will have a link in, in our show notes so that people can just click on it and check it awesome. out. Check it Thank out. You so, so Thanks for we we really enjoyed having you on the station. Thanks, I man. I enjoyed myself. Thank you. And yeah, the game was awesome. That was fun. Thanks, Mark. We appreciate it. Let's take a quick break, and we will be back. And we are going to be talking all about UFOs. Are we alone? We're going to find out. This is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. You've probably already heard a little about the big movie coming out in theaters this weekend, which is The Suicide Squad. Not to be confused with 2016 Suicide Squad, even though these movies are based on some of the same characters. Is The Suicide Squad a remake, a reboot, a sequel? That's all kind of up for debate. This is one of those movies where the backstory is almost as interesting, if not more so, than the fictional story we're going to be seeing playing out on screen. So basically what happened with 2016 Suicide Squad, there was a lot of hype for this movie. The trailer looked great. 
And then the final movie was a bit of a mess. I don't blame the director or the actors for this. It was more of a case of studio interference, similar to what happened with Zack Snyder's Justice League, in that the original cut of that movie really didn't have anything to do with him at all. It was completely opposite of the vision that he had. So unfortunately, the original director of Suicide Squad is not getting a chance to come back and do the sequel or remake, whatever. It's actually being directed by James Gunn, who's borrowed from the Marvel Cinematic Universe and is known for doing the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I think that James Gunn is actually a good fit for the Suicide Squad, which is about a bunch of quirky, dysfunctional characters. And I'm really excited to see the new movie getting good reviews, even though I'm sure it's hard for former director David Ayer to not be able to get his film and his version of the film out into the world and have it be a success. Based on the good reviews I and my previous enjoyment of James Gunn's work, I'm pretty confident that I'm going to like The Suicide Squad. What I'm less confident in is exactly how this movie is going to perform at the box office. We really are in unprecedented times as theaters are opening up post um some of the COVID pandemic, but then we've got these different variants coming back and raising concerns. And I just don't know if people are ready to go back to the theaters and if they even will go back to theaters once the pandemic has passed. So I'm really hoping that these studios can find a way to make it work with the simultaneous release in theaters and on streaming services like what is happening with the Suicide Squad because I really love these blockbuster comic book action movies. These movies are crazy expensive to make and if they're not financially successful then Hollywood's not going to be able to continue making them. So again I hope that however well this movie does that between theater and streaming it's successful and that we can get more of these characters and get to see James Gunn play around in this world and maybe see David Ayer return as well. But again, who knows? We'll have to see what happens this weekend. Star Trek is a vision. Great storytelling. My favorite TV show of all time. I really love it and it's so much fun. Join our crew aboard Earth Station Trek for your regular podcast escape into the Trekverse. Make it so. Let's see what's out there. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought we all agreed to say make it so. No, let's go, it's fun. But make it so is iconic. It's classic. It's too iconic. So we're all going to do make it so? No. Hey everyone, welcome back to Earth Station One. Now it's time to go into deep, heavy mystery time and trying to find out if we are alone or not. Is, you know, humankind, you know, unique and the only people in the galaxy? Or are there visitors who have already visited us or maybe just are looking at us and running screaming? This is what we're going to talk all about. We're going to chat about UFOs. Are we alone? Take it away, Mikey. Uh, yeah, we are uh, we are definitely going to be having some close encounters here with some uh, folks that uh, are very familiar to us here on the station. Uh, for all things science, of course, we have to have with us uh, Dr. Geek himself. Dr. Scott Begay is here. Hello, everyone. Howdy, sir. 
Howdy. And, and we also have with us uh, Chip Johnson, good friend of the show. Chip, it's been a while, man. Hey, glad to be back. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, you know, the reason why people might be thinking, well, it's pretty random for us to, for them to be talking about, you know, uh, aliens, UFOs, and, st- and stuff right now. But I'm like, I think uh, we are really, really desperate to seek any sort of signs of intelligent life somewhere else at this point. So, um, <laughs> so uh, I think, you know, now's as good a time as any. Um, but I, I'm curious... Because really, I have, it's hard to keep up with all of this stuff. And really, you know, uh, a lot of the stuff that was popular, like when I was young on In Search Of, that Leonard Nimoy was talking about, like Bigfoot and and uh, Nessie and UFOs, all that stuff was kind of like, you know, in, the, in this day and age where people have cell phones and internet and all that kind of stuff, some of that stuff is like gone away and not been really a thing so much anymore are you are ufos still a thing scott uh of all the things that you mentioned you know uh, oh i love it in search of by the way great great uh callback absolutely uh, i think that we're just showing um, our age there that's the problem that's true. <laughs> it's the problem yes i i think that uh if i if i could uh the answer is yes is still a phenomenon <laughs> and and the the short reason why is that Unlike Nessie and Bigfoot, where people who, who had those famous pictures that you know circulated in their, all the books, and that I checked out of the library a thousand times in the seventies and all that, uh, you know, on deathbed confessions they acknowledged that it was staged or it was a model or it was something else. Uh, with with UFOs, uh, it is something that uh, continues to be uh, to show up every now and again. And the thing that really keeps it alive uh, is th- that uh, if it's somebody who's familiar with the sky, can't identify with it, then you go like, okay, this isn't a crackpot. It's a Navy pilot. Oh, you know, this is someone who works, you know, with this everything all the time. They know what that is. And so there's a, there's a whole bunch of um, events that people can't identify. And, and the people that are reporting them are, can be very, very credible. They, you know, they're not saying that it's aliens, but they're saying I can't identify what that is. You know, and what, what's been really great is in the past couple of months, uh, governments have started to kind of like declassify some stuff and and you know show you gun uh, gun barrel uh, camera footage and like oh well, what the heck is that? You know, I you know, and all of this sort of stuff. So it's kept it alive more than let's say chupacabra or you know, or something like that. Gotcha. I, I would also say that at least part of it has got down to the age of cell phone cameras, the age of videos, the age of mapping the world. I mean, there's actually, um, you know, there's the joke about Atlantis. Well, we've basically done everything that's scanned the ocean floor and we still haven't found Atlantis. But when you get into UFOs and space and sky, there is still a ton we don't know. And you can't really go and disprove. You can disprove Chupacabra with cell phone cameras. If You know, you can kind of argue that if Chupacabra existed with cell phone cameras, with everybody having digital cameras on them these days, somebody would have stumbled across the darn thing at this point. Whereas, you know, with UFOs, you have a harder time proving that because you don't have a cell phone camera that can kind of cover space at all times. Right. Well, and, and just to be clear... Um, I mean, even though there's quite commonly a correlation, UFO does not 
automatically mean alien spacecraft. Right? No, <laughs> no. And, and in fact, not at all. The report that just came out, they don't even use the term UFO. It's unidentified aerial phenomenon, UAP. Yeah. And, and you know, yeah. the, the, the government doesn't even want to go anywhere near that. In fact, I love that, that, you know, the big release, right? So it's seven pages long with a cover sheet and a glossary. Get rid of that. You end up with like four or five pages of, well, it could be us, but we're going to classify it and not tell you what it is. It could be another government that's classified it and not, they're not telling you what it is. It could be a natural phenomenon like, oh, I don't know, swamp gas or reflection off of Venus, or it could be other. And they kind of like steer way clearer what the heck other could mean. Uh, you know? It could be migrating so, ducks, you know. <laughs> and so what I thought was so funny was, you know, there was a bunch of people like, oh, finally, finally, this is it. You know, the, you know, the government's releasing a report on, on all this declassified stuff. And they basically went, uh, we're not touching this topic with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> and, and, and Scott, just to be clear, um, for folks who may not be familiar, um, yeah, uh, last week or last month, June 25th, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence released a report called Preliminary Assessment, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. And, and that went into some vague detail (laughs) as to uh you know uh things uh, objects that lack a single what they call a single explanation right they 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 basically admit that this phenomenon does happen and that it is a threat to to navigation in airspace but beyond that uh there's no solid conclusions yeah, and there's nothing here um, that suggests that it's that it's anything uh, like from outer space or anything alien oriented. Uh, they make it really clear in the language that they use that anything that is not identified is just because, again, uh, the, the the witnesses to it cannot agree on what it is. Uh, it's probably airborne clutter. It's probably some sort of atmospheric phenomenon. It's probably um, some sort of uh, industry program, industry like c- commercial or even uh, federal or even foreign uh, right. craft of, that's being tested or um, something like that. But then, but then, then, then you know, then they have an other category as well, which we all mean, you know, that means like you know, Mars, Martians. <laughs> I have to admit that the one my favorite was the uh this might be a technical glitch. And I was like at first I was like, oh yeah, technical glitch doing all that. Then I was like thinking about the reports from like two years ago of Alexa's laughing in the middle of the night at two AM and just doing evil cackles and I was like ah, strike that possibility that this is just some weird bit of code that's causing this thing to zip around on the screen. So so that's uh that's something that the government put out, our government put out, which is so, so helpful, not um, as far as explaining anything of the past. Um, I, I, I had heard that there's been the only thing that like, I was looking for new sightings, right. Of reports that were substantial. Um, I did see that um, uh, still one of the most baffling sightings of recent years. And this is going back to, I think 2006 is the uh, uh, Patty's Triangle in Michigan. Oh, are right. Guys, are you guys familiar with that? I've heard of it. Yeah. It, um, it, a woman named Patty 
uh, Blackborn caught this thing on camera near Lansing, Michigan. It's 24 seconds of video. It's an unexplainable triangular configuration of lights that jerks around the sky. Um, and uh, it's crazy. If you guys have not seen this, uh, just put in Patty's Triangle um, and you'll, you'll find it. Um, now, it says here the state, the, the state of Michigan's mutual UFO chapter has received 2,789 sightings from 2010 to 2020. So that's quite a number of sightings in, in a decade, I would think. Um, so something's going on in Michigan. There's yeah, always and, something and, going on in Michigan, dude. Come on. And I know that uh, Mexico has had a, a lot of big sightings. Usually when there's a, uh, a big events of some sort, you know, it, it, it tends to not, you know, in this country, we have this sort of uh, trope that it's, you know, in the middle of the night in a cornfield somewhere, you know, one person and there's never a camera around or, or anything like that. But sometimes uh, in Latin America, it's over like, you know, a big soccer field or something like that, you know, late at night and, you know, when, when people are still out there. Uh, and it's more than just the, the, the light poisoning in the sky, right, from all the other cars and whatnot. It, it's, uh, so there's that. Um, I, you know, it, it, the, but the idea is, you know, does that mean that that's intelligent life? Who knows? You know, I, I think that's why this is going to stay alive, very much like what Chip was saying. It's hard to disprove, right? We're, you know, we have, we have life here. And we know what it takes to create at least uh, regular, you know, what to support life. You know, the the, uh, uh, the uh, Goldilocks uh, distance from the sun and, you know, be able to have water and all that sort of stuff. So if there can be a blade of grass, could there not be something a little bit more complicated? Could there eventually be mammals on other planets? Could they eventually gain intelligence? I mean, you know, it's very hard to disprove that. And given the vastness of space, and, you know, there's a famous quote, about how many stars and how many potential planets. You know, what are the odds that, this, you know, this is it here? So it's very hard to go, uh, look, I can't disprove it, but, I, you know, in my heart, I want to believe. And I'm pretty sure until we start, you know, marking off, like, nope, 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 that it'll be something. Uh, whether or not they got in a craft and flew here. I mean, uh, you know, Project SETI uh, for years was trying to, like, come up with something. And, and, are you guys familiar with SETI at home? Yeah, I mean, the listening for radio signals in space based on the idea that, statistically speaking, that I think I think this is actually an example I use when I say people, that dealing with trying to contact space is a bit like trying to mail a letter in the 1600s. <laughs> no, this is, this is literally the example when I try to explain to people the essentially the Drake equation of, like, why contact with alien species would be such a migraine inducer is, like, if you lived in Europe in the 1600s or 1700s and you wanted to mail a letter to your cousin who had gone to America, you would have to put it on a cart, somehow get that cart to a ship, guarantee that the ship would get across the ocean, that that ship could find a guy with a cart who could go to the little village that your cousin lives in somewhere in Utah. And, could and, that's, no, make, and that's with knowing that he was there. Right, and that's assuming that he's alive at this point, <laughs> right? And, and not a, and not a, a member of Roanoke, uh, yeah. Yeah. or or hasn't just died of whatever disease is currently cropping up that week, and then well, he would have to get the letter, be able to read the letter, 
write you a letter, which means you have to be able to get paper and ink, get the letter back across the ocean, which is its own production. And then you would have to get the letter. And this is assuming this is two or three years. This is assuming both of you are still alive at beginning and end of the story. Yeah. You know, details, yeah. details, folks. Well, but, what, what, what's, uh, what was interesting about sitting at home was there was a chance for uh, average people to participate. You know, mm-hmm. what it was, it was, it was allowing your, you would, some shareware software that you would load up. And then it's basically saying, yes, use my CPU while I'm not using it to help crunch the numbers on any data that you may get through. And it was a way to say, hey, I want to pitch in. I want to support the search for uh, alien life. Mm-hmm. And, un- and unfortunately, I believe that project has finally come to an end. I don't know if it was through a lack of funding or what other issues, but um, you know that is no longer really f- functional. And I was thinking about that too because you know when we, uh, if you think about like the movie Galaxy Quest, the, the the basic joke about that is that you know our signals from everything that we've done has gone off into space, and an alien race is misunderstood, you know, misunderstood, but they got right. Well, think about it, the fact that we've all gone digital. Right. We're not, you know, now you don't have over the air transmissions anymore. It's all through some sort of digital antenna. Well, our, so that means is that, you know, as we've gotten more sophisticated, our planet's gone dark. It's, you know, relatively from what, what we were pumping out. So if you were looking for a, a civilization that was possibly uh, following our developmental course, and they were far, far more developed to the point where they had the ability to travel interstellar. Uh, how do we know that we're even going to be able to, to detect them from here? Because they probably stopped transmitting normal signals that, you know, uh, a long, long, long time ago. But isn't it? If you remember, Scotty, from Star Trek Four, you know, the basically the the probe or whatever was was broadcasting radio waves you remember right, right. well it was, it was broadcasting or, no V'ger, it was actually no it was actually V'ger yes in, in number one sorry yeah 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 mm-hmm. V'ger, number right. one That's the right. probe the probe for the one for the whales was actually doing whale, whale song in space yeah exactly yeah. but number one was that's why they weren't able to read <laughs> what V'ger was putting out because nobody was doing radio anymore Right, and, exactly, and, and and somehow only Captain Kirk remembers Morse code, or or, or uh, uh, Captain Decker remembers Morse code. Of course. <laughs> don't we run into the problem of if you're doing radio waves as our baseline? Which, if we assume that the civilization um, would their first interaction with us would be receiving radio waves, then you run into sort of the I guess for lack of a better term, the contact problem that. Right. The earliest time they would receive radio waves, the nearest planet is, I don't remember the math off the top of my head, is several light years away. The nearest planet that we've identified that could possibly contain life exists in that same butter zone. I don't remember the name of it off my head, but it's several layers away. So statistically speaking, we would know it was gone dark until about 3,000 years or, you know, 100,000 years after we'd launched a probe to go find out right. you know, somebody there. <laughs> so if we assume that an alien race is interpreting us and assume that that alien race has to have enough light speed or something similar technology that they could make it to Earth. Because assuming, again, they are the only, they are the closest planet that we've identified that contains life, then there's a, there's a math that basically we wouldn't be, they wouldn't be quite seeing us as dark because the last message they would have received would have been from like the 60s, you know? Right, which is, the, yeah, which is the, uh, which is the, the Galaxy Quest problem. Exactly. Oh, those poor problem. people stuck on an island. 
Oh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here's a question for you guys. Okay, so um, setting aside the you know the 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 idea that there is intelligent life out there, um, which I think we all agree has there's so much potential, it's ridiculous. It would be so ego. It would be so egotistical of us to think that we were the only. That's never planet. stopped us from being egotistical. Before. I know, but the only uh, planet so... <laughs> to think that we would be the only ones to have life on our planet in a whole galaxy, and sure. you know, with the well, we are, contact, we are, that's a lot of wasted space. We are yeah. really special, uh, but um, no. All right, so <laughs> so putting aside that that. Because I think we all are pretty much on the same page there, that we all believe that there's something out there. Um, now, as far as, you know, when, when getting back to the UFOs that people spot, you know, obviously now um, it could be just some rich guy taking a joyride, right? Now, like, I mean, they're so, they're so frequent. <laughs> These rich guys are, are just take, in the air all the time. Uh, so it could be just one of those guys. But those but UFOs setting... don't look like phallic symbols that people have been saying. Wait, wait, wait. Can I ask, why didn't someone stop them at some point? I mean, you know, that design's been on somebody's board for a while, right? I, I You're... Think... I, look, the, they're not the first one to like the rocket in and of itself is a phallic <laughs> symbol. So come on, like it, so we're skyscrapers. So we're, yeah. you're assuming somebody didn't do that intentionally. I would be unsurprised to discover <laughs> there isn't some middle management guy going Jeffrey Bezos going into space. I'm going to make your rocket so dis- <laughs> uh, overcompensating. That's what that's. What that um, anyway, uh, so do we think? the technology is there even in theory to order to solve some of those problems as far as how how difficult it is to um travel that distance like if we look at the like the nearest one that possibly could have life right and and chip you did a great job explaining like what how difficult it would be to get there and back and communicate and all that is do you think that the technology is possible to make that easier? In you theory, want to I, I can I can start. You want or you took you want to start? Okay, so um, NASA uh, unveiled about uh, five, six, seven years ago the Albuquerque Drive, uh, and they actually had one of the uh, the uh, people from Star Trek to draw what this would look like. I think it was Michael Akuda drew it and he actually labeled it enterprise because why not uh and uh it was a way of warping space and so uh the math is there but uh the biggest problem was the energy required so at the time that the uh that nasa unveiled that that uh item to the world uh it would take the the, the combined energy of like four suns uh in order to to lift off or possibly more and stuff like that. And I've heard that since then they've been trying to rework the math and rework the math. So at 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 its most generous, uh, it's down to one star's worth of energy. Uh, you know, so think about this: it's kind of like in Doctor Who, where the Doctor burns out a sun just to talk to to Rose for five more seconds. What a waste uh, of a sun! Right? I mean, that's he, kind he, of he, he killed the whole solar system. There are there are. There are a thousand Doctor Who fans right now calling for your blood. 
<laughs> I'm used to it. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> so that is, but that's kind of what they were talking about. I mean, the, the principle of this thing is that it's very much like Star Trek warping, right? You know, it has that big wheel that spins and, and it's able to take, and, and, and uh, as it was described to me uh, by the people over at NASA was that, uh, think of uh, being at the airport and then moving sidewalks. So if you're on the moving sidewalk and you decide not to stand still, but to, to walk at a gentle pace, all of a sudden you're outpacing everybody who's having to lug their, you know, luggage off on the regular road because of the, of all, of the advantage you're getting from the moving sidewalk. Same sort of thing going on here. That it's not the fact that the ship itself has engines capable of propelling at a gigantic speed. It's the fact that they're it's literally tearing and warping space in front of it. And then the regular conventional engines are, are pushing you through. Now, the one thing that always comes up when everyone talks about this, this drive uh, is that, you know, it sounds great, but how do you start? We, I think conceptually, we can understand the math that says, okay, let's, let's just for a second say, I believe the math, and I believe that you could generate enough energy to create a warp. And I understand, you know, a rocket pushing me through. Um, but it's everybody says, okay, what happens when you want to stop? <laughs> right? Because you have to reverse all that. And so that's the biggest problem is that where um, the science falls apart is that sort of, you know, uh, general relativity, special relativity, and the bridge between it. And that's the problem. Is And so that's where a lot of the argument is. So if you talk to certain engineers, they say, sure, sure, sure. It's just a matter of energy. And then some other engineers will look at you and go, like, nah, man, are you kidding? We can get to close to the speed of light. And then we end up having a Planet of the Apes problem, you know. Well, there's also the, the two problems that come to my head when you're talking about the, the relativity aspect is not only do you have relativity, you have Newtonian laws. Right. So you're, you're moving at near warp speed, which... Statistically speaking, the ship is experiencing faster than equivalently to at least close to light speed travel. Then, you know, Newton's third law kicks in the second you stop. Right. That means that equivalent to something for you to stop the forward motion to something equivalent to light speed, that force has to then kick back on you. So not only do you have to come up with something that can kick the brakes on that, you have to build a ship that can basically take the force of near light speed travel blowing back on it. And then, like you said, there's the time dilation aspect, which would create a nightmare scenario at best. And, and, and of course, yeah, go ahead. Go, please, please. And then there's the Dune problem that I've always liked is the, that nobody ever thinks about. I always thought was best summoned in Dune. How do you travel that speed without hitting something? <laughs> no, seriously, think about driving a car at 90 miles an hour, statistically speaking, you know, the faster you go in a car, the less time you have to stop if you see right. a box on the road. Now imagine moving at near light speed and a planet shows up in front of you. How well, do you a planet, you a comet, anything? Well, yeah. See, see, in fiction, in, in fiction, this is easy. They either right. have a, a computer that can plot the course around everything, or something for the future, or, or oh yeah, or they have a a deflector dish that's supposed to be you know knocking things out of its path, right? And, or they, and, they drop into another dimension and say, well, we're in another dimension. So we have, we we have hyperspace bypasses. Right, exactly. Space bridges. <laughs> and, uh, uh, they always need to build bypasses. Um, 
<laughs> Sorry. No, absolutely. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, uh, yeah but, we, are, we are in the way. <laughs> certainly in the way. You should have seen the plans on Alpha Centauri. They've been there for, <laughs> for the last 25 years. <laughs> and maybe that's what the UFO's doing. They're doing the, you know, the pre-road survey. Right, program. the site They're survey, right? They're surveying and, and measuring distances before they blow us up. Well, we are mostly harmless, so there you go. <laughs> mostly. Mostly. Oh, my gosh. All right, so, so okay, so... Well, actually, this this leads to one thought I had. Yeah, was that if you're going to be you know warping space and and really kind of stretching our understanding of physics and and all that other stuff, I mean, it almost be easier to build something that uh, is a time travel machine than a light speed machine. Uh, you know, I mean, at least talking, you know, seems to agree with that. And in that case, the question becomes, you know, what if the UFOs are us from the future? You know. It, you know, we would love to if they were from Mars or Alpha Centauri or you know some great federation somewhere. But you know, what happens if it's just us? You know, from you know maybe eight hundred years from now. So I mean, that would be time machine tourists now. Like this is the time machine tourist. I'm going to go buzz the soccer game. Woo! <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, we might not. You know, we, 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 to test that, the question is, you know, how many people really want to revisit 2020 and 2021? Well, uh, it's basically <laughs> Biff coming back from the future with his book of you know predictions of the predictions. Right. If, if I was going to visit, honestly, if I was in the year you know 5020, and I didn't have to land and get exposed. You know, 2020 would be kind of fun to watch. You have to admit. <laughs> right. the outside, it's like, reality you know, TV, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't run across too many people outside. Exactly. So <laughs> if you were going to, like, not have to land and you could just kind of fly around, this would be a fun time to watch. Yeah. You know? All right. So here's the big question for you. So, okay, so we've established that there is intelligent life somewhere else. We've kind of established that it it's is mathematically possible. It's mathematically possible that they could create a vehicle to 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 visit us. Okay, so um, that said, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you, Chip. Um, have have we been visited by aliens before? I in, would... in your estimation, has it happened before? Has it happened yet? I would argue that. Um... And this is the the joke for the science nerds listening to this podcast. Dealing with aliens is a bit like dealing with quantum mechanics. I can't say for certain, but I can give you some pretty good probabilities. Okay. Um, sorry, that's a bad science joke there. But no, I <laughs> I would argue that there is no there is no incontrovertible evidence that we've been visited by aliens. At least nothing that has officially been declassified. You know, for all I know, Roswell exists. I don't tend to believe in that kind of stuff just because there's too many moving parts. But is there a possibility that something beyond our solar system has made it? I mean, mathematically speaking, yeah. Again, I have to go with the pure math. The math says that it is entirely within possibility that an alien species other than us who has figured out some way to travel long distances faster than we normally can, than we understand at this point, has visited us. So, you know, mathematically, yeah, it's entirely so possible. So mathematically, it's possible. Is there anything, any instance that you can think of that has happened in, in the past or that that causes you to lean towards the fact that it has happened? Just the statistic amount of UFOs, I would say, makes me curious. I can't really, like I said, I I know that statistically, that realistically speaking, there's probably stuff that, you know, we talked about at the beginning of this with 
the declassified files, I realize there's probably a thousand videos that have not been declassified. I mean, there was, you know, you guys talked about um, the Leonard Nimoy show at the beginning and there's, you know, stuff that came out in the nineties where they were talking about, you know, airline pilots who would retire, who would, you know, jet fighters who would come out and say, well, when I was flying across, you know, Oklahoma on a training mission, I saw a light in my side. I, I don't like saying yes, absolutely, unless I'm standing in a room watching live television from an absolutely trustworthy news network or person in person meeting an alien coming off a shuttle. You know, until that kind of happens that I can't really, that I, I there's, but there is the nerd in me that absolutely loves the idea that there is something else besides us out there. And I can't not say that, oh, it's absolutely impossible. So I'm kind of, I fall in the middle of, I'd like to think it's a possibility, but there's the cynic in me that doesn't really want to like, oh yeah, it's definitely true. If that makes any sense at all. Absolutely, absolutely. Scott, so I'm going to pose you the same question. Have we been visited by aliens at this point? Uh, I would just say ditto. But Chip did such a great job. Uh, but, you know, the, so to add something slightly different from it. So, uh, you know, of course, I'm an archaeologist. And so I get asked the Atlantis question all the time. And, you know, all that sort of stuff. And it's sort of the chariot of the gods, uh, you know, issue. And that's the, you know, uh, so people will look to that and say, oh, look, it's, you know, people describing a a flying object or, you know, people coming from the stars or something like that. And it's that whole interpretation of language. You know, it's not uh, doorway into heaven, it's Stargate. Uh, you know, if only I had Daniel Jackson's ability to translate. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it, it, it still gets me to this day. He learns one verb and he's fluent. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, uh, so there's a lot of things that people point to to try to give you the idea that, that we have been. Uh, and that is uh, how sophisticated certain cultures are from from uh, South America, you know, and stuff like that, and and uh, and how there are similarities in, in design, uh, you know, pyramids all over the world and all that sort of stuff. And so one interpretation is there's somebody from above that, you know, helped them learn how to make those objects or taught them that math, you know, and all that sort of stuff. So that's one way to look at it. Another could be the fact that there was a lot of trade between those areas at one time, you know, but that's, that's the, you know, stodgy, uh, not fun answer, <laughs> you know? And so because we don't really know for sure, uh, I like Chip's response, which is, I think it might be somewhere in, in between. I think that there was probably a lot of communication from cultures around more than we know, uh, trade of goods and services and ideas and I think that there are some things that are just uniquely universally human. You know, when somebody designs a fork, uh, they kind of come up with the same idea roughly. You, you know you know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and, yeah. I've always liked the idea of people are like, well, you know, you have pyramids in South America and pyramids in Egypt. Clearly, there had to be aliens influencing them both. And I'm like, yeah, but if I pointed a fork over here, and some, in the, you know, if there was something that looks like a vaguely like a fork in Egypt, and something looks vaguely like a fork in South America, you don't assume there's a grand intelligence. You just assume that you make the logical conclusion that 
both of these people figured out a similar tool that functioned in a similar manner right, right. around the same time of their development. So, right. you know, the, the Egyptian, the, the pyramid question always bugs me because I'm like, yeah, it's an alien or maybe just two people kind of figured out the same math at the same time. You right. know, crazy well, outside. Or, or, this all is, or this is even crazier or that, you know, as humans, we're all related. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, do not say that. Or is, or is what is it? What is the what is the uh, mathematician answer that my wife would love? Is you know, or math is universal language. Right. right, just right. Math is an absolute truth, and you're going to figure it out eventually. It, so you know, every time I fill out one of those forms that you know wants de- demo information, and it comes to race, I always want to put human. <laughs> see if I throw anybody. I'm like, no, no, no. And like, Oh, come on now. Really? You know? I just want one of those to be an option that's like Conehead. Yeah. <laughs> like Conehead. <laughs> stack, something, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Cling on. Let's have some fun with this. Actually, uh, uh, actually in the, the uh, turn of the century census uh, on the island of Kauai, there's people that list as Mini Huni. Mm. Uh, so that's. Uh, but that, but there's a lot more other things about that. From the Tahitian uh, culture, a mini huni means a, somebody who's a worker. So it doesn't necessarily mean tiny little elf. Uh, but I mean, you know, it, you know, you, you mentioned many huni today, and you think of the in basically a, a Hawaiian leprechaun, right. and you know, or something got, like that. So, that does remind me of a question. Sorry, um, which is, do you assume? And this is one I guess I'll throw it back to the group. Do you assume that if we do meet aliens, they're going to be in anything similar to human symmetry? Because every depiction we have of aliens, even now the little gray guys, typically involve they're they're one of you know two main models. They're either basically humans with some weird proportion, mm-hmm. or they're squids. <laughs> right. Because those are the two main demos we have in our brains as human beings of what things look like. We automatically right. assume that things either have to be human proportion or squid proportion because those are the two scales that our brain goes, the two extremes. And yeah. to so, be fair, it's a lot easier to get someone in a suit if they're a human shape. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think about it, even in fiction, even in scientific fiction, I mean, yeah. you go as, there is no, I have never read a sci-fi book that didn't have something that was vaguely humanoid in shape, even if they, again, human with two heads, human with a head coming well, out of the neck. I, I think part of that is because the purpose of science fiction is to reflect uh, us. Yeah. And so, you know, that it's not trying to be uh, forward thinking in, in what's might actually out there. It's more about the tale that it's telling, reflecting on our culture at the time, probably more than anything else. So that, leads, sure. that leads me to the question, what do you guys think it's going to look like? Because I think that there's, there's an entire. That's a whole different story on itself. <laughs> True. You know, I mean, I just, yeah. The, I, odds, I, I, the odds of them being humanoid is rare, and it's probably going to be a fish. Yeah. You know, true, actually. You know, and they'll say yeah. thank so long and thanks for you know. Yeah, right, exactly. They're all dolphins. That's why they come and collect dolphins. Them dolphins, birds. Dolphins are just secretly aliens, just watching. Uh, you know, because uh, even like in you know like mice. in the movie Alien, still the xenomorph is. Yeah. You know, standing on two legs and has two arms. And, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, the thought of, you know, the first aliens we meet look like Mr. Spock. I don't mm-hmm. think right. so. 
you know, I really, really would be shocked. And that yeah. that breeds a whole secondary secondary set of questions as to what our reaction will be if we meet if those first aliens we meet don't look like Mr. Spock. What is our human reaction going to be in terms of that? Which is a whole theoretical well, science you know, fiction if, trap. If, that... if some of the myths are true and we are actually you know a colony of uh, aliens, then you know obviously you know for the lost tribe. Um, the thirteenth tribe, yes, right? Yes. <laughs> so say we all. So say we all. Say we all. Then, then they're going to look exactly like us, um, except sexier. Um, uh, all right. So, God, I hope so. No. So, uh, Mike, these guys don't want to go on record. I'm feeling like they're just kind of giving the safe answer. So I'm going to put it to you. Have we been visited by aliens? Oh hell yeah! Damn All straight. All right, there you go. That's what I'm looking for. Oh and, God, yes. And, and and what makes you say that? What makes you lean that way? What is there anything historically, anything you could think of, or because he's met me? That's why. <laughs> he, he's been to Dragon Con. That's come why. on. I've been to Dragon Con. There's no way everyone there is human. Come on. If you were gonna hide out, if you were an alien and you were gonna hide out and go visit human race. Where else besides San Diego and Dragon would you want to land? Like, no, I mean, exactly. Honestly. I always wonder if those furries are real costumes or not. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, in truth, no, I do think we have. I I think we've have been visited. I thought they were just Adam Savage. Uh, well, uh, that's a whole different story. That's another story with no, no, more I apple pie involved. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry, um, mate. go ahead. No, no, it's cool. It's cool. Uh, no, um, there's been, you know, in hier- hieroglyphics and, you know, different cultures about the glowing objects in the sky. And since man almost came out of the caves, it literally has been part of our society. Do I think they've been guiding us? I think they've been observing us. Yes. But, you know, I think have they have they been, t- you know, picking up people and testing them and probing them and stuff like that? No, no. I think that's just, you know, Bubba on a Saturday night in Alabama who just doesn't want to really admit what happened with him on his date, you know? So, but in truth, it's a lot of, you know, I do think we've been visited and I think the government does know more than it's letting on. And, you know, Yes, things people see in the sky could be weather balloons or they could be modern ships that from our government or other governments that are being tested that we haven't, you know, we'd be foolish to think that they haven't been playing around with designs and, you know, you know, different ways of doing it. You know, if you think about it, you know, our way of flying of, you know, with the wings you know, out and everything. That's almost 50, 60, 70 years old, what we've been looking at. You sh- I'm sure there's they've been experimenting with round shapes and other shapes. I've seen drawings. I've seen popular mechanics and other things that, you know, they've come out with designs. And, you know, if I see one of those at night with, you know, s- lights on it, damn straight, I'm going to think, what the heck is it? You know, because I've never seen anything like that. But, you know... Do I think there are UFOs that are that people have seen at night? And yeah, there's definitely things we can't explain. I I wouldn't want there not to be. And like I said earlier, 
I think it's a lot of egotistic people who think this is us. This is it. You know, this is our societies is it. And I get worried as hell what first contact's going to be like. Oh, wait, they're not Christian or they're not going to convert. Oh, yeah. There'll be villainized right just like that, you know, or they won't do Allah or whatever. They're heretics. Every culture will do something like that. I don't think I don't think man is ready for it. Truthfully, I don't think we're at that point yet. And then, like I said, Contact again actually is I think one of the best movies about interacting with. Oh, exactly. Because it resides the other end of that equation is who are who are we going to designate if we assume we have first contact? <laughs> who gets to talk to him first? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And do Richard we believe Dreyfus. that? Richard, established that. It's Richard Dreyfus. Uh, he's too busy yes. chasing after a shark. Come on, National Treasure, Tom Hanks. His skill with building mountains out of mashed potatoes is unrivaled. Like, no, no, it, I know exactly who should do the first contact. Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody loves Tom Hanks, right? Everyone Everybody loves Tom Hanks. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> I, but I did like that movie with Amy Adams. That they did. Uh, Arrival? Uh, Arrival was a really Arrival. good, you know, good version of what First Contact could be. And it actually, I really like that it addresses the language issue that you can't just right. assume they're going to come off the ship speaking English mm-hmm. or whatever language locals are speaking. And in that one, too, they're not very humanoid. They are... They're squids. Difficult. Yeah, they can't really... Like, they can't really exist in the same sort of way that we can uh, in the same space. Um I, yeah, I like that movie a lot. Uh, it was surprised me. Uh, that was pretty good. Um, and and you know, for the record, Mike, I I believe as well that it's happened. Um, I, there's no substantial proof that I can turn to, um, but you know, like my papa always used to say, "Where there's smoke, there's fire." And like, there's like, there's just so much out there that kind of leans towards that, you know, and I, that, that can't be like maybe 90% of it is, is I, bogus. I love, but you know, even if just 1% of it's true, that means it's true. Like, it's just like, you don't, you don't need that. You, you just need one occurrence to be a fact out of all of that. So it's like the, again, the odds are in their favor. Um, oh, so it's the Hunger Games. Got it. Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. Man, how many how many uh, sci-fi references can we pop in here with this 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 show about science? Okay. Wait, what was it? We we need to mention Wookies, William uh, <laughs> Falcons, uh, Parsecs. Uh, oh, what was it? Well, unless um, we're going to do the Kessel Run, I think you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we've got yeah, our Star let's, Wars. Let's, let's stay with that. Speaking of contra, yeah. No. <laughs> science math problems that make geeks go Urgh. right all right so so oh you know we haven't talked about the like the face on mars right i mean oh. is there ever been an evident you know if ever there was a monument that might have possibly be shaped like us and then i love when when nasa you know sent a camera closer and it was completely different and you know and they were trying to say oh no it's the same shot from uh, you know <laughs> you know you're like really Thank you for thank you for for chewing on yet another childhood dream. Well, you know it's all the doctor anyway, so it's okay. (laughs) On on a similar note, though, I mean, I I think uh, on a semi-related note to that, Scott, what I was going to bring up is that you know it looks like the the slowly but surely we're getting closer and closer to 
finding out not maybe about you know ufos ufos but maybe about like about life elsewhere and that it can exist because we are getting oh so close to finding pockets of water out there yes and we know that once we successfully find that then that door is blown wide open i would think right right oh totally and we are getting so close i wouldn't be shocked if we found on some of the moons of jupiter that under right. the layer of ice, there might be civilizations that we haven't even imagined. Yeah, it's possible. I've always loved the joke, uh, what was it, My Friend the Martian, where they're like, this, the Mars rover stops, and they're like, well, that was $5 billion well spent. And then it like goes, to the <laughs> like the next line over, there's just the Mars city. Just, Hi, guys! I've always thought, like, yeah, watch, it's going to end up being that. We're going to spend billions of dollars some astronaut's going to land and then on Mars and like he's going to go three feet past the rover and there's just going to be a city of a bunch of Martians just like took you long enough. <laughs> well, for whatever reason, and uh, you know, it might have gotten a lot of uh, uh, snarky comments recently, but the fact is, I, I think we all are kind of interested in you know this new space race, and yeah. and space is space exploration does seem to be cool again you know it's, it's trending like as the youngsters say it's trending right like so. <laughs> there's a hashtag for it folks really so uh so that that can only mean that you know hopefully we'll get you know answers in our lifetime which i think is all something that we would love to get closer to right well yeah and and truly if, if corporate sponsorship is how we're going to get to mars then can somebody resurrect pan am I'm guessing if we're going to do it, let's do it right. <laughs> we got to do it by the numbers. No, just get, seriously, look at the owners who do it. You're telling me Bezos couldn't pay to have a Pan Am logo slapped on his face? <laughs> right. like, seriously, like, he could afford to just, it would cost him nothing to slap a Pan I, I, Am I'm surprised logo. he doesn't own Pan Am already. I don't I think it's one of those that's tied up in, like, 16 legal headaches right now. But You, you, you know, you're, you're you're there for the flight. You're all set. You got your onboard entertainment, and every channel is blue Danube. So, actually, I know exactly what he needs to slap on a ship if he really wants to get the nerd cred. It's not Pan Am; it's SDF One. Nice, nice. He can do SDF One. He could really. About about I was scared you were going to. I was scared you were going to say Serenity. I love uh, Serenity, but no. no. Now, about halfway there, they could do a Miss Mac Ross contest. You know? <laughs> no, you just, you just get some you get some nice young lady come on the ship, and about halfway right. up, you do a holographic concert in space where she sings and yep. we're good. And I think yep. we got yep. three more sci-fi references in this one episode. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm torn because like some of the best sci-fi doesn't even have aliens in it if you think about it, because if you looked at what Joss Whedon did with Firefly, there were no aliens. Yeah. Even the Reavers were humans that went were, went crazy and yeah. everything with space madness. But even shows like Red Dwarf, they never really meet aliens. They, you know, everything is a human byproduct or something. And yeah. it's, just, it's just very interesting that, you know, some of those shows, it's all offshoots of humanity or things that we produced you know i don't i don't want to live in a universe where i'm thinking that's it but i'm almost almost afraid because even doctor who has 
said it multiple times, watch out, universe, here comes mankind. We're going to just steamroll through the galaxy. And it's the uh, humans are space orcs theory. Yeah. <laughs> no, no it's true. Okay. No, there's if no you joke. If haven't about gone on like, Instagram or Pinterest, there's a thousand fan fictions that people have written that actually really love the ideas that human beings, it's like, it's the sort of universal, it's the joke that, you know, every other spacefaring species is like essentially a descendant from plant-eating herbivores and they're all really, you know, nice and gentle. And then human beings come along and we're these gigantic, you know, it's the jokes about basically like, just let aliens land in Australia. And they were like, what the heck? How do you guys survive this? So it's the, the you know... I think though an interesting point though to that is, um, and then uh, yeah, we'll close it with saying by saying that you know like if we should, as humans, get the technology to travel to other worlds and you know literally seek out new life and 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 and, and bully go it, where no one's gone before and find it, then uh, my my guess is that uh, our worst thoughts about aliens now will be exactly what we'll do to them. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, I, and we will agree. be, and we will be the unidentified aerial phenomenon uh, that people can uh, talk about on other planets. So, so uh, awesome, guys! Thank you so much. It's been a great discussion. Uh, really appreciate it. And we'll be right back to close out the show. everybody michelle here with an iconic rock talk show moment and it's one of those weeks where we're saying goodbyes joey jordison founding member and former drummer of slipknot one of the few successful bands you'll see from iowa passed away of undetermined causes at age 46 in his sleep Um, he was on the band's first four albums before leaving in 2013 he had been diagnosed with a form of ms called transverse myelitis He later said that uh, he had been fired and drummed out of the band. So I don't know what their uh, relationships were like at the time that he passed. And also uh, leaving us, the man who gave the bottom to the top, half of one of the best rhythm sections in the business, Dusty Hill of ZZ Top, passed away also in his sleep at his Texas home at age 72. Now, just the week before he had had to step off of, of the band's tour, they were uh, two dates in. He was having trouble with um, an old hip injury that had been plaguing him for a few years now. And he also had shoulder issues, uh, looked like he had some bursitis, might have had arthritis. Uh, he also had some ulcers, um, but things were flaring up and he told the band he needed to step off and... Um, check into what was going on. He didn't say he was leaving permanently, but he did insist to Billy Gibbons that they keep playing. And so he stepped off and uh, is not coming back. And they honored his wishes. They uh, are bringing guitar tech Elwood Francis. He's been with them 30 years. If anybody knows their songs, he does. Um, And they are honoring his request by continuing to tour, and they plan to tour with him for the foreseeable future. So we'll see what the future holds as far as uh, the release of the album they were working on and any future uh, records from ZZ Top. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment, and we'll catch you next time. Welcome to Dr. Geek's Laboratory. Dr. Geek here with another reminder that the ESO Network is pro-science 
and pro-vaccine. We urge you to be a superhero and protect yourself, your family, and your fellow geeks around the world. Don't be fooled by the forces of evil and their anti-science misinformation campaign. Consult the latest CDC guidelines, your doctor, and get the COVID vaccine today. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about her top five shows that you should be watching right now. So in the last year and a half, I've caught up on a lot of TV and streaming service shows. Now, while I still have some stuff to get to, here are the top five shows I think you should check out, since they're all either insanely interesting or incredibly funny. These are not in any particular order, either. First, we're going to start off with Ted Lasso. This is an incredibly funny and heartwarming show. He's an American football coach heading to England to coach a European football team, same name, different sport. The characters in this show are incredibly well written, the story is so good, and you really start to care and love the characters. This has to be one of my favorite shows at the moment. It's on Apple TV and season 2 just started. Another Apple TV show, Mythic Quest, is incredibly funny. It focuses on an ensemble cast that are all creating an MMO game. It's by some of the same creators as It's Always Sunny, just the humor isn't as vulgar as Always Sunny. This show has a lot of heart, and it really delves into the egos of the characters, as well as what makes some of them such good friends, and kind of maybe good people, all while trying to keep this computer game up and running. Amphibia. So this is a cartoon on Disney. It follows a young girl named Anne who is transported to a world of frogs. She ends up living with a frog family and going on adventures with them, all while trying to find her other two friends who were transported with her, and figure out a way home. Season 2 just ended, and it was amazing. This show is so well written, and the story leaves you wanting so much more, and I cannot wait until Season 3. The Expanse. So, The Expanse has been out for a while. There are currently five seasons of it, with the sixth coming out at some point. This series follows the crew of the Rocinante, a spaceship, as they try to stop an alien substance from destroying space stations and planets and then beyond, since that is basically only the first season. This show is so well written and the story is amazing. I cannot wait to see what is going to happen to the characters in the sixth season because they've all grown so much since the first season. It's available on Amazon Prime and if you like to read more than watch, this series is also based off of a series of books. And last, The Owl House. This is another animated Disney show and it has been so good. It follows a girl named Luce who went through a portal door into a world of witches and demons. She learns how to use magic, which humans aren't supposed to be able to do, and goes on a journey to get home while also trying to save her friends from danger. I adore this show. The writing is amazing. The characters look so neat, and it really pulls at the heartstrings. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. Welcome back to Earth Station One. 
Before we close out, let's give a big shout out to our friends over at Inked Pub. That's right. Ink Publishing has some amazing Kickstarters going on. And you know what, folks? The new one, The Earth Trembles, is pretty damn amazing. The Earth Trembles card set offers a unique look at dinosaur exhibits from all over the world. Every nine-card sketch comes with a sketch card itself. Why crowdfund this product? It's a small press market, and a lot of releases aren't found in stores, retail, or specialty. And with a small number of distributors and catalogs available today, we've found that crowdfunding, coupled with the internet advertising, is the most productive and effective way of putting our products directly in the hands of collectors. We consider the fans and collectors our partners in these endeavors. Go check it out at inked.pub slash Nippon, N-I-P-P-O-N. Be careful, it's not the other way, but I almost said. But it's Nippon, so check it out, ink.pub. Definitely worth checking out, folks. All right, let's wrap up our show now. Thank our guests for being here tonight. Chip, thank you so, so much, my friend. Thanks for having me, guys. Anything you want to promote or shout out about? Uh, not really for my group, uh, for me. I mean, I guess I'll see you guys at Dragon Con. Looking forward to that. Hopefully we can have as much fun as we can. Oh, yeah. Well, fun. Fun is going to be very interesting there this year. So it will be very cool. And let's also thank Dr. Scott. Hello, everyone. And thank you for having me again. It's been an honor. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Oh, no. Other than uh, starting a new job as a science teacher for sixth grade. If he doesn't have gray hair now, he will very, very soon. <laughs> it's going to be fun. That is awesome, my friend. And thank you for doing the new PSA for the ESO Network. Oh, absolutely. glad to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, unfortunately, it was necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I wish we didn't have to. So, But sadly enough, you know, it's the smart thing to do. Yep. And, and, and I would just like to know, if, if, if that PSA got you to, to get vaccinated... Call the station. Let us know. I, I just be curious. Yeah, definitely. Call Doctor Scott. His phone, home phone number is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, as always, my friend. It's my absolute pleasure. And Mr. Mike, we made it through another one. We did, and as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about? Yeah, I was excited uh, to participate in the virtual Sci-Fi Fantasy Fest uh, in Hoover, Alabama this weekend. I Again, I participated virtually. Uh, I recorded a panel, uh, an amazing panel, with some top men about my favorite movie of all time. It was the 40th anniversary of Raiders of the Lost Ark panel. Uh, I was on there with the award-winning author Bobby Nash and the other award-winning author that we know so well, Van Allen Plexico. And uh, we had a great time just uh, talking all about our experiences, seeing Raiders of the Lost Ark for the first time and the impressions that it left on us. And it was a lot of fun. It it, it was an hour that went by much too fast. But uh, it's available on YouTube, uh, so you can watch it. Um, I will put the link in the show notes, and you guys can check it out yourself. Excellent. Congratulations, sir. I actually saw you guys dressed as Indiana Jones. It was pretty amazing. Well, I have the fedora. Well, of course. Who doesn't? Exactly. As soon as you put it on, the music plays in your head. So it's okay. Best theme song ever. Awesome. Uh, My shout out real quick is talking about a TV show that I just got started on. 
And I'm a little bit late to the party, but it's about three vampires set in Staten Island, New York. And I'm talking about what we do in the shadows. It's a interesting series. A couple friends have been telling me about it. And it is a ton of fun. And the third season is actually coming September 3rd on FX. So you could definitely check it out. It's um, basically... It's kind of comedy uh, slash horror, but, you know, it's about Nandro, Laszlo, and Nadia, and Colin Robinson, an energy vampire, but who's more annoying than I think anybody I've ever met at Dragon Con. So <laughs> it is a very interesting series, and thank you folks who have told me about this one, and I'm like, how could I have missed this one? So definitely check it out. Movie? What? Did you see the movie? I did see the movie. Okay. Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because I've seen the movie, but I haven't yet watched the, the series. Oh, the series is easy. Each episode's like 22 minutes. It's like boom, boom, boom. It's real quick. And there's only two seasons. They're 10 episodes each. So definitely worth checking out. Speaking of worth checking out, check us out again next week. We're going to the movies again, folks. See, we are getting more and more back to normal slowly but surely. And we are we're, going. We're seeing a new movie. We're going to see a going new to. movie. Yeah, we will see. <laughs> well, thank goodness for HBO Max because that's going to, you know, save me right there. I think, you know, I think the next, the first movie I might go see, and the big screen probably will be James Bond. I don't think anything before that. I think I'll pay the extra money for Disney to watch like the Marvel stuff that's coming out and such. So, but. Next week is not a Marvel. It's actually a DC movie we're actually going to be talking about. We are going to be looking at The Suicide Squad. That's right, folks. Not a sequel. The Suicide Squad. All new, all adventure. And I'm actually looking forward to this one. There's a lot of folks in this that I'm excited to see on the big screen, including a certain former doctor. So it should be kind of fun to see and Looking forward to talking all about it with our movie folks. So please join us then, of course. And of course, if you want to, like we said earlier, if you want to write us, please write us feedback at earthstation1.com. We definitely would love to hear from you guys. You know, it's always nice to know you guys are still alive. You know, it's, you know, just to make sure you guys are healthy and safe. And that's what we're more worried about with us right now. But of course, thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You can find them at nsclife.com. Remember, you could also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now Amazon Music and Audible. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mr. Mike Gordon, Chip Johnson, and Dr. Scott Vigay, we thank you for listening, and we will see you here next time on the Earth Station One podcast. Stay safe, hug your loved ones, and please, folks, get vaccinated. We definitely would love to see a Dragon Con, and it's almost too late for you to come if you haven't got vaccinated. So, please, vaccinate. All right, that's enough preaching. We're out of here. Peace, and we are done. Woo-hoo. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. 
Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Tee Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.